recording right now but um you know i have to like because i'm not very good in like what you did in that show yeah you know, like the oh hey welcome blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> all right so i'm just gonna go ahead and say hey welcome at empire builders uh and let's um welcome our guest andrew maha uh i was actually once a guest on his show um broken english in chicago about uh two years ago and um welcome to the show so andrew uh, i just invited you this uh to this channel this time to talk about how to build a business in the midst of a pandemic and you have done that twice as i understand that correct i mean i think yeah. the first time i met you was in i think in the winter of 2019 um yeah. and it was freaking cold i think you interviewed me and um it was about immigrants coming to the united states and um i put a link in the description below to your podcast but uh the thing is that at that time you were still working for a company making um what was it um advertisement signs or something like that Is yeah that exterior aluminum signs yep so what happened since because i mean like we're in contact this is not uh that you would tell me anything new but tell our viewers what happened since then did you you did uh found your first business uh if i'm correct it's called maha Fabrication, maha Fabrication studio yeah, yeah so right. what, what so, ended up happening was that i actually since i wanted to open started a company since i was a child uh my entire family is entrepreneurs my grandfather owned his own junkyard salvage yard um my, both my uncles now have taken over that and now run their own as well my brother uh has opened and, and founded like two different companies since i was a kid my sister makes her own clothing and sells it my mom owns her own quilt store uh we were just i was bred into this um so my whole life i wanted to start a company just to fit in really. And it was the only thing, everything in my life growing up was money and how to make money off of stuff. Um, what you could sell, what you, what's the upcharge, what's the, what's the margin you're going to make on it. And how do you, how do you move forward with bringing money into your, into your home that way? So I've always been on this path. And, uh, but when I was, I began welding in high school as a fallback, I was like, well, if I start a business, I need some place to go. Uh, if, if everything fails, I need to have a trade or a skill that I can fall back on. And so over the next few years, I got jobs through college. I got jobs through other things that, uh, that led me to where you met me, where I was building signs for a company on the northwest side of Chicago, welding uh, aluminum MIG welding. Yeah. And then from there, the whole time I knew I wanted a shop. So my own, my own personal workshop. So what I did was I looked around Chicago for live workspaces. Uh, I knew I couldn't just go rent a place. I, I knew I couldn't just go and say, um, hey, I've got an extra $2,000 a month to dump into a business that's not making any money yet. Uh, so I, I, I did the most responsible thing I could do and I begged my girlfriend uh, at the time that I was living with <laughs> to let us move into an apartment where I could open a business inside of it. And so that's where I'm actually recording out of right now is, uh, is my I live in a storefront and then the basement is my workshop. So uh, it's technically an artist live workspace. So what I did was I, I had the ability to combine my rent 
and my business. So I didn't have to pay double rent and spend half my time somewhere else. So in the, in the basement, I have all my shop uh, and I started building furniture and different things. And then the custom furniture world really took off for me. Um, just word of mouth, a little bit, decent website, decent Instagram presence, nothing crazy. Uh, but I got a few, you know, it, word of mouth was the easiest way for me to make that up. And then, um, it went well, it went well for a while. And so I was, that's where we were just meeting. So I was working my day job, coming home at around five o'clock at night and then working in my shop from six to about 11 every night. And then on the weekends I would work from about 10 a.m. until 9 p.m. two days a week and the weekends as well building custom furniture and delivering i was taking days off of work to to go to trade shows i was calling in sick and i mean i was like really <laughs> botching my day job like i was doing the best i could and keeping people happy but there was no way i could keep that up so um i actually decided to apply for a part-time job one thing i'd tell anyone who's starting a business is you got to have a way to make money that's a steady paycheck in the beginning. There's just no way to just quit everything. Unless you got a hundred grand in savings and no family, there's no way you're going to quit everything. I really, I, my only advice is to just have a plan. So I started, I applied for a teaching job and I started teaching three days a week at a, uh, at a welding school. I started teaching welding the same way I learned it. And, um, it went well enough that I got to quit my day job. And so that's where you and I were, that's when we, you know, we, after the interview, I got to leave my job that summer and then do this full time and then teach part time to make up cash just to, in case things didn't go well. And uh, now I'm on my way to opening my second company uh, based off of an interaction I had. So yeah, that's how I ended up where I am now, but it was- And uh, I get to that second company in, in, in a minute here. So uh, let, let's revisit that because that's really important to me. And I always say that, because I did a little bit different, so and I would not do it that way anymore. So my uh, like current main business that I have, uh, uh, Pitco, Pierce Industry Training and Consulting, I founded that in November of 2016. I founded it on November 29th, I think. And on December 23rd, I quit my day job because I needed the time to actually do the work in for my for my business but I think in hindsight it was totally stupid because I had the worst 2017 that you can even imagine I would say at least the first half almost went bankrupt you know like um, and then I had to take a, another day job and you know it was it was okay because that led to a lot of business later on you know but it, it was I think it was a stupid decision I would not recommend anyone to do that that way and quit their day job before they even have contracts or business lined up for their business to make money. Yeah, I'm yeah. absolutely with you. That is, that is stupid. And I think the way you did it was, was perfect. And, uh, that, that I, it, that would have been a question of mine to you. What do you think? What's better? Like go all in and quit your day job right away and try to like make it or, you know, play it safe and do what you did, you know, like, you worked for your day job for a while and then found a part-time job to pay at least the the, the necessary bills. And the yeah, bills... spending money pretty much, yeah. Right, right. So that is... It was, well, so with that, when I ended up going that route, and I'll tell anyone that the, and I do this because I teach a small portion of entrepreneurship in my welding class as well for people who go to the school to, who want to go and open their own shop or, or, or uh, construction company or anything like that. 
Uh, you need to have, if you're not totally alone in life, which some people are, but on the other side, if you have a significant other or you have someone who relies on you, you have a, you have a kid, you have a parent, you have a family member that needs you, they need to be on board. Yeah, that's it. That's because I, I, it's not that I, I I fell back on my now fiance, uh, get married this spring, but I fell back on her in moments where I, I would, you know, I was getting phone calls picking up at 10 o'clock at night because I, I was, you know, I I had to leave the house to go and do an install in the middle of the night because a bar was closing at 2 a.m. And then they were opening again at 8 a.m. And I had to go and install a bunch of shelves for their liquor cabinet in the middle of the night. And if your significant other isn't up for the challenges and the <laughs> hurdles, you have like in the beginning of every business, you have to say yes to everybody. Um, yes. Even if it feels like you're like, this isn't what I signed up for. This sucks. Um, you have to say yes, because you, you're looking at the income. You're looking at how much money you have in your bank account. You're like, well, <laughs> no, I have how to am do I that. Do this? You know, uh, going the extra mile and figuring that out. But if you don't have someone on your side, you can't fight two battles. Uh, you, you can't you can't be defending your business idea and defend you can't defend it to yourself and your family you gotta exactly. be only fighting yourself <laughs> exactly no you're absolutely right and I, i know what you're talking about you know um uh, this is not my first business and you know i um, as you know like i'm from germany so i started businesses before in germany and some of them failed you know uh and my ex-wife was never really on board you know and it was a battle at home i was like oh my god you know i really need you to help me instead of like being against it and You know, that maybe, I don't know. I bl I almost blame everything on myself. But maybe, you know, a little bit it has to do with if you're not supported with what you do, then this might be more difficult than you want to, you know. So, but and, and if to, you have to the get support, to that point, great. I agree. I agree with that. Absolutely. But what I'll say to anyone. Uh, who is trying to do this or even considering it or watching your uh, and, and I checked out your YouTube channel prior to this to see all the, the introductory videos and things like that do a create a business plan um, it's not for it's not always to get a bank loan so for the for the people watching this who, who, who haven't flushed out business plans or are still looking into it what it essentially is is about a 15 to 20 page document that outlines how you're going to make money um, how you're going to stand out against competition, how you're going to be flexible for a pandemic hitting, how are you going to be flexible? Like the next business loan in, in 2022, the world will give when, when big banks are given business loans again, uh, they'll ask you, well, what are you going to do if we have a pandemic again? You know, be like, how are you going to shift so we get our money back? Yeah. Now, it's important because the bankers are Uh, generally very nice, but also they're they're cut and dry. If you don't have enough X, you'll never get enough Z. Like you, you, you have to you have to do you have to follow their equation. I didn't go the route where I needed a business loan right out of the gate. Where some people do, you start a restaurant, you start a retail store, you need a hundred grand, thirty grand, whatever up front, and you got to go defend that idea to a bunch of people. Um, and I'll say that if you don't have like in your scenario with your with your ex wife make the business plan for yourself anyways. Um, I didn't in the beginning. And then I sat down and reevaluated it. I was all over the place. I was just taking jobs that had no real direction. I was, I was learning more than I was working because I was picking up the slack. I was taking jobs. I didn't know about whatever. And the business plan helped me when, when my, uh, when my girlfriend, you know, asked me, she's like, what are you, what's the plan? I could literally look at the business plan and be like, this is what I'm going to do. 
X, Y, and Z will pay the bills. And you got to be able to defend it to them. You know what I mean? Like, even if you don't need it for a bank, it's worth flushing out those 15 pages. Yes. Make graphs for yourself. What is your income stream? Who are you? Who's your next market? Who's your, your ideal customer? Because if you don't know that and you just say, oh, well, my buddy has a towing company. I could get a tow truck. Let me start towing stuff. Like, if you don't have a game plan for what neighborhood you got to tow in and what <laughs> things are you going to do or, like, how much insurance is, like, Knowing how much business insurance costs, knowing how much overhead will cost in general, electric exactly. bills, heat bills, just the, the things that go into um, anything that you, that you don't see coming, especially insurance is a huge thing. Insurance and payroll taxes are the biggest thing people don't see coming, I think. And if you have a business plan fleshed out, the minute a family member says, I don't think this is a good idea, you can pull out a business plan and say, really, because I have all the facts that yeah. show it is a good idea. You know, and like that part, I think is good for your own confidence. Because when you're up at two in the morning and you're like swearing, wishing you were going to bed, and being like, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> I have never done that. You can that. say, no, no, I have no, never this done is the that. Plan. The thing is, this, the I'm plan. with you. You should, you should know what you, what you're talking about. Absolutely, you should know the numbers. I, I remember that. Um, I the first, pro like, profit and loss calculation that I did in my life. I think I was like seven years old or something. I saw a movie and I was like, I was doing that. I was like, well, I could do that, you know, and I was just crunching numbers and I was, of course, like inflating everything because I wanted to be successful, you know. I always did that since I'm a kid, you know, and I, I know how to plan stuff like that. But then the execution of things are sometimes more difficult than you think. The thing is that, for example, my business, right? So uh, Pitco is very, like, I don't have much overhead. All right, I have a few employees by now. I work a lot with freelancers and with other companies that lend me their uh, uh, staff. But the thing is that I wanna, I wanna have it low risk. So I, I wanna have it low overhead and low risk. So the way I do that is like, okay, so at this point, you know, we have a physical address, but no one is there, all right? So we don't really need an office anymore. We don't, we, the only overhead we have is basically uh, payroll cost, insurance, um that's about it you know yeah. i pay for um for computers you know we're a software company computers uh software licenses stuff like that that's it you know there's no oh i need a big shop i need heat i need that you know like the heat i need is here you know like upstairs as you can right. see like i'm here down in my basement you know so um you know the day-to-day -day life doesn't get disturbed by me having a hobby you know because this is what this is you know so i just want to help people as my hobby while i am founding another business mapeos all right so i've done that um if you guys don't know what i'm talking about i put a card up here somewhere um but this is you know this is my hobby this is me help giving back you know because i didn't have that when i started out um Every, every everything on the internet is about like you know shovel selling like basically just like oh be a digital nomad and stuff stuff like that that stuff that is like passive income kind of things you know where yeah. i think you and i we are on the same page here that you know you can make a lot of good solid money with active income All right. So you being a welder, you creating something, you know, me being a software engineer and a consultant, you know, I go out and help big major companies to get their 
their work done. You know, where this is very active. You know, if we don't work, we don't make money. Well, that's not true for me because right now I'm making money because I have a lot of people working for me. I, I have leverage, right? So that's yeah. the next. That would be the next step after, you know, where you are. Uh, two years ago, you founded your business. You know, you probably do everything yourself. You have like five hats on yeah. at the same time. Me, like five years into the business, you know, I already have leverage because I'm using other people to do work for me. You know, well, that's different now with the new business where I do everything myself again, right? So, but the thing is that. You know, you should always be aware of like, where are you, where you want to go, and how you get there, right? So coming back to the business plan, you know. Yeah. I'm not a friend of what you know. Everyone thinks like, yeah, I'm gonna create the next big thing like Uber or whatever, Facebook, you name it. Where do I get the money from? Where does the money come from? Well, right. How about you create something where you actually make the money? to grow a lot of people don't don't have that mindset because they're all about like passive income passive income you know i'm just gonna have like the next uber the next facebook whatever not happening for most of the people i would say 99.9 percent .9 of the people not happening i Agree? i think that there is this um and this isn't like a bashing to anyone who is like creating content online but i think that there is a lot of people who figured out the the formula for getting um you know everyone wants to make a bunch of money and not put in a bunch of work i do i wish i could make a bunch of money and not have to be working that's awesome but the idea that like you're going to invest in the perfect cryptocurrency that's going to make you a billionaire the idea that you're going to like pick up a rental company you're going to pick up a rental unit and you're going to make X amount of dollars each year by being a, a, a side business as a, as a real estate owner, you know, or whatever. There's a lot of people who do that. And then I still don't think they realize that even that's a lot of work. Like the everything there's my, my, my favorite, the thing I say the most is there's no such thing as an easy buck. Like they're really <laughs> the idea that like, I mean, people talk about like drug dealers is easy money. That's not easy money. Oh, like no, you have crazy hustlers. risk. You have crazy things. Like there's huge hustlers. issues, right? They they like they compare things and be like, oh, that's easy. That guy is that guy has an easy job. No, they don't. You know what I mean? Like you can have it's, an easy job where you work for someone, but you're not gonna earn that alone. If you're out there shoveling sidewalks for people for 20 bucks, that's not an easy buck. It's easy yep. cash, you got a hundred bucks it's in your pocket at the end too. of the day. <laughs> but you're working for it. So I think the idea of like, even people who do like literal passive income, like, oh, I'm going to become like a day trader where I do this in the morning and I do a little day trading and I figure out stocks and whatever and I, I back up. You have to do like months of research before you start so you don't hemorrhage money the first time you get in there. Like there's so much setup to everything. Um, that one thing that I really did uh, that helped me the most with my company um, and my first company, and I'll, we'll talk soon about my about the one I'm currently opening. But the I got a job building custom handrails in Virginia Beach. Uh, I was building handrails for fancy houses right on the beachfront, on the oceanfront, and uh, it was cool. It was a lot of ornamental welding. It was did a lot of uh, steel and aluminum bending, really cool stuff, powder coating, different things like that. And I learned a lot. And as much as I like, I, I like the company. I like my boss. I like my coworkers, the owner, whatever. There were. Every company has cracks. Every company has issues. Every company has a, you know, every job I've ever had, I'm sitting there saying, I could do this differently, right? Like you're sitting there in your head saying, there, you're not doing this right. You're not listening to your employees. You're not whatever, buying the right stuff. You're not buying the right materials, whatever. 
So I took a job for two years and I figured out everything that I thought they were doing wrong. And then I moved to Chicago and then I got a job, did some other stuff. And then I worked at that sign place for six years. And I sat there for six years and I studied everything that I thought that they were doing wrong. And I was like, and then I kind of learned the industry. So the idea was that if my company building furniture didn't work, I can still turn around and sell signs. And now I know <laughs> what they did wrong. You know what I mean? So I'd be like, okay, cool. Well, they didn't listen to their employees that were out on the shop floor. So once I have employees, I'll try to. Uh, oh, they bought crappy equipment. They bought like equipment from the 1950s because it was cheap, not because it was the right equipment for the, or the right tool for the right job, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff. And so I compiled a mental list of things I would do differently. And I think in order to start a company and know what you, I think it's, I think it's, it's imperative to maybe work at a job and see what you like and don't like about that, that industry before you dive into making money. In it. Um, just so that you can come out swinging, you know, like if you already saw an, an owner, do pretty good, get successful enough to have employees. And then you are like, well, you're really missing the ball on this thing. You're got to leg up on that, on that owner. Like your competition is, you already know your competition. So like you can go and compete against them in the same market, knowing full well that they don't call people back in certain neighborhoods or they don't do certain things. Like you can capitalize on that market share because you were there and you saw that they aren't doing that right in your own eyes. Uh, and I think that was important for me in the furniture market and in the sign market. Cause I started making signs too, that I was like, yeah, well they don't call back little guys. I make $500 signs. I'll make a sign for your company for 500 bucks. You called the company I used to work for. They wouldn't pick up the phone for less than 2000 because it wasn't worth their money. But if I do a hundred, $500 jobs, I have a bunch of money now. <laughs> they selectively chose really expensive jobs, but they didn't make, they made the same amount of money. It's like, because they, it, it's just, yeah, it, it was a mess. Yeah, so, it's overhead. You know, it's, it, I, I get you. I get you. It's overhead. And it's also, you know, the way they produce stuff, you know, bigger, you know, it's the same, you know, for you, yeah. you can do those things. You know, I have to like, I don't want to like pick up for them or anyone you know like I, i built my company out of the last job i had you know yeah i knew the industry i knew they were not doing the right thing you know i think like all of their customers are mine now all of them all right i had a non-compete agreement that i uh, uh honored you know i didn't do any business with them for one year after i left but now they're all my customers you know and they're always like they still go there let them quote a job and then they come to me and say hey can you quote this job yep i'm more expensive but i get the job done better and they trust me it's all about trust you know Agreed. now like like my company you know we're i don't know how to say that we're we're suppliers of tesla we're suppliers of siemens what is one of the biggest companies in the world all right they love us actually uh we're doing some some stuff for them right now Volkswagen, Porsche, you know, uh, we did uh, oil and gas last year. We did, you know, we're uh, about to sign a contract with Haribo, like, you know, the gummy bears, stuff like that. So we're wow. doing like major company business and we're like this. We're no one. We're really no one. We're five yeah. employees. We're having a ton of freelancers and everything, but like we're cockroaches, <laughs> you know. Right, right, compared to But still... Um you know, we compete with companies that are like 
still small business, you know, less than 500 people, but multi-million com dollar companies, you know, where we are like, well, we can do it better. You know, people trust us way better service, way better quality. We get it done. You know, we're flexible in our way to do business. And it, it, it's awesome. You know, you said the right word right there. I think that there is a tipping point for business size. And, um, and I can't ever tell anyone, I'll never tell anybody to be like, Hey, cap your company, this X amount of people. Cause you never know. Right. Cause you never know who, but like the idea that you can pivot, like, so you just listed a car company and a food manufacturer. Right. That might not be something another company could do. You know what I mean? Where like you are. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. And you're not. Because what we do is like we're doing automa industrial automation services, right? So hmm. a, a, I don't care if we program software for a robot cell that builds a car or for a um, high speed manufacturing conveyor belt that uh, puts gummy bears in a bag. You know, for yeah. me, it's. It doesn't matter, you know? It's, but so I'll tell you from my side of it, what I would say is that because I would say yes to so many people in the beginning, which which really caused issues for me in my, in my mental sanity to just say yes to every job that came in. <laughs> and then I'd have to like kind of learn how to adapt to that. Yes, it was a, it was a backwards mentality, but you have to, to make money. You've got to clear that certain X amount of dollars to pay your rent. So I was in a situation where I was going on job sites and walking around restaurants and bars with owners and they would say, Hey, yeah, we need a shelf for, I, I say the shelf for the liquor thing. Cause I've made uh, several reception desks and shelving and stuff for different restaurants. And they'd say, Hey, we need a whole back bar set up for all of our liquor bottles. And, okay, cool. And then they're like, wait a second. Do you fix stainless steel sinks? Can you weld our sink? That's cracked. So we don't have to buy a new one. I'm like, yeah, sure. I, oh, wait, wait a second. Do you have a, can you do this? Can you put up a wooden beam here so that we can put lights wrapping the thing? Yeah, I, yeah, sure. And so by the end of that, I am racking up thousands of dollars in yeses while other contractors who build shelves would walk in and say, no, I build shelves. And I build shelves well, you know what I mean? But the idea where like the, the not even the young, but the amateur and the hungry will get more work. Like in your case of a, of a younger company, you know, you, you've been around, you've been personally in the industry, but your company's notoriety, as you right. mentioned, is it's word of mouth and quality of work is what gets you more work. Oh, yes. And in my case, it's saying yes, fulfilling it. And then some of these people own more restaurants or tell a friend or refer me and word of mouth is worth more than any Instagram ad ever. You got it. The thing is this, I would say 85% of my jobs were a mouth. And this is like, it's like a snowball. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. All right. So the big thing that we're doing right now, so we're building um, the uh, battery assembly line um, for f the ID4. That's a Volkswagen ID4 here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. All right. We got hired by Siemens, who does the uh, electrical and software. All right. So um, this job, e-mobility, yeah, um, came together. It's twenty twenty one. Three years ago, where the main project manager on this project from Volkswagen now, like from Siemens, met me at Tesla. 
All right. Mm. So, yeah. and he was introducing me to the CEO of the digital industry Siemens USA. Um, and uh, I tried to get business in business with him since March of 2018. And that never wow. happened until in June of last year, I called them and was like, Hey, how about some business? And they were like, you know what? Good that you call because, um, now is the time you get it done. That, that whole, the whole thing. And again, I, I, I completely, I can't agree with you more, but the, I try not to, uh, like worship, uh, big fancy CEOs. Like some, some like, uh, young business owners are like, do the things CEOs do so that they can be them. I think that, uh, but on, on the same side of it, what they, I, I believe it was Bill Gates who I saw an interview with him. One of the few that I've like watched with him. And I'm like, and what he said is the difference between a successful uh, person and an unsuccessful person is uh, their willingness to pick up the phone. Will you call, put yourself out there, have someone say no to you and you say, you know what? Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, Hey, keep me in mind. I really do. It, even in the world of instant, everything, internet, everything, a phone call changes everything. I've gotten more. So I had a job in high school where I went and applied at a pizza place in high school uh, two different times. Both times my application was being thrown away by another employee there because if I got hired, he would get less hours. So what I started doing, cause I wanted this job so bad for whatever reason, I started showing up there every day and then for about a week straight. And then the owner started saying that he wasn't there. And I was like, okay, I know he's there. I saw his car out front. And so one day I'm <laughs> I stalk you. I even know what car you drive. <laughs> I know exactly. That's how serious I am, right? And so the I was going, I was on my way to the movies. I was with my cousin, and I go, I go, oh no, that I was like, that car's in the parking lot. I pull in and I see him outside smoking a cigarette. And he was sitting on his chair, it was the middle of winter, and I essentially corner him. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm the guy who's been trying to apply and get a job here. And then he goes, uh, he goes, I, I don't know what to tell you. Because I'm not really hiring right now. But if you're this damn annoying about getting a job, you'll probably be a good employee. So <laughs> how about start Tuesday at four? I love it. I, I love it. it. And like, and I'm not saying that works for everything. But no, I put my phone actually... I did the classic way. I applied for a job the way you're supposed to, the way the textbooks say you do it, and it failed. So you call them. You talk to them. You get them to say no to your face. You are absolutely right. You know what? Um, so the th here's the story. Okay, a little bit of a backstory here. I don't want to like uh, uh, call anyone by their real names, but so the CEO of Siemens that I got introduced to, you know, like uh, I visited once in 2018, you know, introduced myself in person and everything was cool. You know, I went there, we were on the phone about every two months, you know, fine. You know, in 2000, end of 2019, I called him. I was like, hey, um, how about some business again for the 10th time or something like that? And he was like, you know what? I don't have that job anymore. I went back to Germany. Um, I'm running a, a department here, but here's the contact of the new CEO. Why don't you get in touch with him? What I did the same day, you know? And then from there, from that point on until June of 2020, I contacted him, I think 15 times. And in, the the meeting with his project manager that actually hired me or my company for this project he said you know what mike i'll look through the history that we have together you reach out to me 15 times 
you're kind of persistent, so I think you would be the right person for this job. Yeah? Here. Yeah. Like, not something? Persistency. That is yep. number one business skill. And I, I think I have a... I put up a video, I think in 2019 or something like that, or even 2018. I, I don't, I don't recall 100%. You know, I put a card up here somewhere, where that's exactly what you have to do, especially if you're in B2B like we are, right? So, pick up the phone, put yourself out there, and then if they say no, pick up the phone, put yourself out there. If they say no, repeat. All right. So, don't ever stop. Ever. My sales cycles from the first contact until contract, two to three years. Okay, I do it the American way, it's three years. I, I can't even do that. Whatever. <laughs> it, it looks weird, like I have, like, whatever. <laughs> two to three years. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> sales cycle. Contact to contract. If you well, give up in is, the meantime, most persist- people do. Most people do. If you give up, give up in the meantime, and most people do, you don't have the business. I and I'll tell anyone who is looking at for something to do business, but who's trying to figure out what they want to do and if they should own a business, right? So that that mentality of of um, and anyone can do it, but I think that if you're not sitting at your job saying I need to leave, not I want to leave. Not I would like to work for myself. <laughs> I need to work for myself. Yeah. You, you're gonna have a tough time. Yeah. Um, I, I and I don't know if this is just my family because it's really. I know that as I talk to more people, I know my situation where I was surrounded by entrepreneurs my whole life. To have that type of influence to say there's nothing wrong with working for somebody. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a a W two and a and a day job and going home and having that separation of work and life. I respect it. But if you wake up in the morning and you're and you're just like, I got to do this on my own, you might be able to do it. The idea that like, I've wanted to give up a million times. There have been so many times since 2018. Yeah, the July of 2018 was when I filed for my first business, uh, when I filed for the city of Chicago business license. I, there have been so many times where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've been up, it was two in the morning, one in the morning, I was doing, getting ready for a festival. I was doing a bunch of pre-made furniture and decorations and stuff for a festival that I was doing here in the city. And I was up and I didn't plan, I didn't time it right. And I didn't have enough stuff ready to be sold. I was up until literally four in the morning the day before I had to be at this festival and I was making stuff. The paint was still wet on things as I brought it to the festival, <laughs> hoping that no one even walked into my booth until the, until the smell of paint. <laughs> please dry. Please I, was, I was so behind schedule because of just things you don't see coming. Broken sanders. I mean, just, just issues. You know, flat tire, whatever. Like things, that, things that just come up. You don't, you don't see us coming. And every time I'm like, and, and my, my girlfriend, who she's an attorney, um, and, and she was downstairs in the basement with me. This is what I'm talking about support. Downstairs in the basement with me, sanding uh, pieces for me to help me <laughs> yeah. because she like she saw that I needed a hand. She asked what she could do and she saw that I was about to call it quits. She saw that I was about to take this investment that I get, you got to pay 500 bucks to get into these festivals. I had to buy a $500 tent. I had to buy $200 in supplies and tables. It was my first festival. I'd never done one of these before. And she saw I was about to give up 
And she just gave me a helping hand to like get over that. And, and doing it alone, you got to have someone to bounce stuff off to. Because when you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I should just go get a day job. This is stupid. There's nothing wrong with that. But you really should have either a therapist, a friend, or a significant other you can unload on every once in a while. Because, you know, getting three hours of sleep at night will make you a pretty unbearable person after a while. So you've got to make sure that you're like checking in on yourself so that when you say I give up, they're like, no, remember that business plan? You know, like, no, remember, <laughs> remember that. Job for this. you know, like, hey, what you, you're giving up. What you, <laughs> it was just your idea. The idea of like, I've wanted to give up multiple times. And I, and I think I, I can't thank her enough for being that, that support for me. Um, and not to say that someone couldn't do it alone, but it's hard. It's hard to be self-motivated 24 seven and, and you need to be, to be a small business owner. So, um, I think that if you're, if you don't have that drive, as soon as you wake up to say, if I don't quit today, I'm going to go insane. Maybe wait until you're ready to quit <laughs> because you're going to want, because your, your job well, you're creating is going to get hard. I, I hear you. It's easy. I hear you there. Um, maybe I'm, it's just me. It's like, I, I just can't give up. I, I can't. Like I, I tried, I <laughs> really. Like I tried, I, really. I tried. This is not a joke, you know. Like um, so for example, 2019 was a disaster for my business. All right, mm. I worked about. It was just me, you know. Uh, uh end of 2018, I had uh, to let people go. I was just me, you know. I was a freelancer, um, again, and uh, I had some business in January. Uh, and then the next time in June and then until August and then I think uh, one more week in November or October or something like that and that was it that was it three and a half months of work wow. awful yeah whose fault was that that one you yeah know? I didn't sell enough I didn't go put myself out there enough you know I didn't do it and then at one point my wife asked me just um you know so when did when do you reach the point where you just pull the plug and i was like yeah you know what mm, okay I'll, I'll okay i put some applications out there um the pandemic hit uh <clears throat> and, you know end of 2019 beginning of 2020 um i i got a job like this because I have a lot of skills. I have a lot of experience, you know, like I can sell myself, you know? Uh -huh. So I get a job in the first application that I put out until I had the job that, uh, by the way, paid $134,000 a year plus nice. bonus, um, two weeks. Mm. Yeah, well, you knew your job. You you were applying for something you 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 had. I mean, years. Right, of like right. right. Yeah. I have like twenty years of experience, so I get a job. Right, That's right, fine. Crazy, Even yeah, in the midst past, yeah. or in the beginning of a pandemic, no problem. So I started the job. Uh, I hated it. This what you just said about. Well, you you need to have this. You you say you need to be an entrepreneur. You need to have your own business. That's me. Yeah. In May, I quit this job because I just couldn't stand working for someone. Just everything in my body, every cell in my body was like, mm, what is, no, we cannot do that. 
two days later, I, you know, I got my my sense back, my selling. The, I I released the selling beast again. Two days later, two days, I had another contract, oil and gas, three months diversification of the business. Blah 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 blah. And there I was like, no, that I have a contract. I will not stop. Picked up the phone, called vendors, called um, customers, past customers, future customers, blah, 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 blah. Like put myself out of there and also made sure that while I was working, I also sold other people that I didn't hire myself, but freelancers, other companies, vendors, stuff like that. And ever since... This is like ongoing from the day I quit my job until end of 2020. That was the first time I ever sold over $1 million in business. Nice. That's awesome. Maybe I should have, maybe me hitting rock bottom was necessary to actually get there. All right. So I, I, that's awesome. Well, one, awesome right that's and that's huge but the idea of exactly being like do i have to go back to a job like i and i haven't now when i when i took that part-time job teaching i still currently teach um and this will more than likely be my last semester teaching but i really like it i like it and my boss is the dean of education she's not on me about anything i can show up when i want i have to be there for class i I plan my lessons it's all there's a bunch of online a bunch in person we have to do it through the pandemic whatever but the, it's barely even a boss. It's barely even a job. I show up and I love it. Uh, and, but on the other side of it, as soon as it's time to come and work on my, my own company, I, it, it's a whole different mentality. Like the idea of not wanting to ever say it's over. I, I get it. it. It's just some, some of those times, man, when you're just, you're sitting there and you're like, is this, am I going to fail? It, it, Am I going to fail? Am I going to have to look look myself in the eye? I'm literally living in my own shop right now. Like, do I have to literally come home from a job to my old company? <laughs> like, imagine that, like, coming home and being like, oh, I can't believe I couldn't get this to work. I am a failure. Okay, no, wait, that, like, wait, wait, wait. That ability to admit that to myself is what's kept me, and my and my fiance helping me, is what's kept me sane. And what's kept me that having that drive, being like, no, I have a lease. I can't leave this place for two years. I can't do this. I have I have bills to pay. I have things to do. Like really, will help you through those times. But it is it's the stuff you don't see coming. Uh, the what, the best thing you can do as a young business owner is what it, people are watching this. If you're watching this interview and you're this far into this video, you're already ten steps ahead of people who just think, oh, I'm gonna have my own business one day. Like the fact that you're reaching out to people or looking at people or listening to other uh, entrepreneurs tell their stories, so that you can shape your own life around that is is such a big leg up i think against a lot of the people who are like day jobs suck i need to get my own company uh my uncle owns a plumbing company he seems stupid i think i could do that whatever you know what i mean like that whole mentality of being able to um i mean just the the looking into people's stories and finding out their hurdles so when you're struggling you can remember like hey apple started in the garage hey this is (laughs) Hey, Mike Peters was was uh, uh, getting jobs before he started doing stuff for Tesla and Porsche and all this stuff. You know what I mean? He was out there working a day job. Like the idea that like that you can hear people's struggles because 
when you see a company on the internet, you don't hear that those founders worked three yeah. jobs and drove Uber in the middle of the night to- I did to that too last year. <laughs> throw up in your car. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I feel like those situations where I'm like, I'm taking jobs that I would have never taken to like make ends meet being like, well, I'm not gonna put this on Instagram because I don't want this to be my, my business platform. <laughs> but yeah, bring in your old barbecue grill and I'll weld the leg back on it. You know what I mean? Whatever gets me that 75 bucks. It's that it's that mentality, but only because I know other people have struggled more, it makes it easier for me to uh, work past those things. But I I think that what you're doing here about like trying to show people the ins and outs of it, we're huge. Uh, it's huge. Uh, one of the biggest things that helped me more so than just um, like my grandfather in the back of my head saying like you know whatever like whatever whatever voice I have telling me to make my own company. Um, I read a book and it's called Small Time Operator uh, by Bernard Kamaroff, if I'm saying his last name correct. This book, uh, it's written by a guy, I believe he used to work for the IRS and he hates him. <laughs> he hates the IRS. Uh, Who doesn't? He, has an account, he hates taxes. <laughs> the whole idea of the book, it's written in layman's terms. So it's written for anyone to pick it up. If you've If you can read English, you can learn from this book. The idea is that it teaches you the things that you don't see coming uh, from an accounting perspective, which really helped me because the thing that I struggled with more than business, because uh, I won't say sales comes naturally to me, but like you said, you can sell yourself. I can sell myself. I can sell my idea and my, my, my integrity. But what I don't know is how to pay taxes. What I don't know is what all these forms on the IRS website mean. And I, what I don't know is the complications of the correct business insurance and the correct licensing and the correct everything. And do I, am I doing this right? Do I have the right type of credit card to make sure that I can buy this and write it off with taxes? Like what this book did, did for me was that it, it, it opened up all the pitfalls. This guy interviewed like a hundred small businesses, ones that failed, ones that did well, ones that did okay, his own. Um, whatever, and then it showed you how to, what type of business to open, sole proprietor, LLC, explain the corporations. It's the, the literally the tagline of the book is um, how to pay your takes, which in takes they mean your employers, your, or not your, your employees, your insurance, your overhead, everything, and how to stay out of trouble. The entire book is written with like diagrams and little pictures and very, very informative stuff, very easy read to keep you out of legal and financial problems that most new people I don't think get. And, and I say that not because I know a million small business owners myself, but because of the way the book is written, it's written as if he, he has hundreds of accountants or of accounts that he, he manages and bookkeeps for. And he knows people screw up. He knows people do this. So this whole book, it changed my life. I, I read this book and realized, Oh man, I, I can write off my desk, the desk I'm sitting at. This square footage, that book taught me how to write that off. You know what I mean? Like huge, little, tiny tweaks and up things that just completely changed uh, the way I approach business. Because the hardest part for me wasn't welding. That's the easy part. The hardest <laughs> yeah. part for me is bookkeeping and how to use QuickBooks and how to hire a bookkeeper and how to hire an accountant and yeah. what small business attorney is the right one for me and and who do I talk to and 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 things like that and and that came out of nowhere for me and I I think I thank God I accidentally ordered this book. I was online, I was on Amazon and I was like small business books. Ordered the first like one of the first ones that great reviews came up, ordered it, changed the game. I suggest anyone who's watching this video 
you might as well buy a couple of the small business books that explain the basics of accounting because that will get you in more trouble. You can sell a million dollars a year, but if you're not collecting taxes, <laughs> you are going to yep. owe $300,000 at the end of that. Year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. You know, like, I, you know, I had the same, same problems. Like, uh, fortunately I hired a, unfortunately, to be honest, like, uh, right away after the first year in business, I hired a, um, CPA that um, didn't really care about me and uh, ah. screwed it up for a long time and uh, finally I have someone that takes care about me and uh, we're getting everything back together but you know that's it's it's a very very sensitive topic to me too where I you know I'm an engineer you know I'm a salesperson and an engineer yeah I, I'm I'm not an accountant you know the thing is that for me the practical part that I have to do I've figured this out and I, I will uh, even in the future I've already planned that out I will create a video about that how to you know keep track of everything you know keep it yeah. all in one place and everything and I will even uh, like I said I, I'll, I'll, I came up with a it was a nice and easy way to track everything in one Excel file was uh, loaded with a bunch of macros because you know I'm in this uh, situation where well I'm a software engineer so I can actually do this you know help myself with software to have everything in one place and then also I'll give it out to everyone for free you know you can have it whatever you know you can you can tweak it around the way you want it you, you know the way it runs on your computer and then you go from there because really this is so important and people need to know that if you screw this up, this, this can destroy your business. Absolutely. If you don't keep, if you don't keep that corporate veil up, oh, you could it, be sued for malfeasance. Like, I mean, like you'll lose everything. It's going to be, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Yeah. And, uh, you should not go down that route. Um, it, I'll, I'll put the information I have out there that I gained throughout the last five years in business and here in the United States. And then also like, I have a whole lot of uh, experience with that in Germany already, but you know, this is so important. And I think everyone should know the ins and outs of what to do and especially what not to do, you know? So, yes. Um, yeah. So I, I, <clears throat> I learned that the hard way. Um, and so that actually is kind of the, not, not as, uh, not as hard as you in that case, because I was, I didn't hire a bookkeeper, but half that book is like, you need to learn how to keep your own books because yes. you need to be able to check in on your bookkeeper. It's the same yes. way you, you'd manage an employee. They well, the are bookkeeper is employee. nothing without you feeding him with all the data, you know? So, but right. you know, the, the other thing is that I'll, I'll put a video up there, you know, it's like, uh, I can't put a card up anywhere or a link or anything, but I will once that video is created and uh, I plan on doing that very very soon and uh, I hope it helps you too, you know, because yeah. I, I really had a yeah. lot well, of problems so what, with this, you know. I'm actually, so what's what's interesting to lead off to, because I, I, now I have a, um, I have a different situation. So what is going on now is I'm actually, uh, I've partnered up with someone, which I have never done before. My, um, the mentality... For the way my business shifted was I was doing custom work for a bunch of people. So similar to your situation and when the way I've described it so far is that I am 
when you go and say yes to everything to make a buck, you're, I mean, you're just running ragged. You're running ragged. You like, there's no, especially in the custom fabrication world, there's so many variations and so many things you have to keep track of that I was like, this is crazy. I'm going nuts. This isn't what I wanted to do. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. So let me create a line of furniture. Let me create a line of furniture and get it into stores. Let me figure out a version of a table, end tables, coffee tables, desks, things I like, commercial desks, whatever, conference tables. What? Let me create a line of things and start selling them off to people. That way I can control inventory. I control my schedule. I can get this back to what I wanted to do originally. You know what I mean? Where I'm yeah. like, I'm not just, uh, everyone who thinks that you are, when you own a business, everyone's like, I'm going to be my own boss. You're not your own boss. <laughs> <laughs> your customer is your boss. Yeah. Uh, the customer is the worst boss of all time. I, but yeah. they're, they're your new boss. The thing of The thing of like, you hate your boss now. <laughs> Wait till your customer doesn't know what they can't say to you. At least like boss, at least supervisors have a list of rules legally they can't say to you. Uh, where my new boss is anyone who calls me. And now I have 40 new bosses. <laughs> like I have, and I have to please everybody. So I'm like, okay, this is not what I wanted. But this is not, still, I, I wanted to get rid of It's still different. So I can handle those people way better than my boss. So that is that that little bit of a tweak of figuring out what works for you. And so when I was there, and that's what the idea of like reevaluating your own personality to make sure the business you're forming is something you want to do in the long run. Because when I talk to, uh, I talk to old, you know, a guy who runs a super successful HVAC company over in in the Detroit area. I talked to him last summer and he goes, oh, you opened up a business? I go, yeah, 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 I'm building furniture and doing different stuff. And he's like, ah, give it up. Not worth it. I'm like what? He's literally sitting there telling me this in like a four thousand dollar handmade suit, uh, in a backyard gala party that I like was accidentally invited to. Uh, accidentally. And I'm like, I don't belong here. I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean, give it up? Like you're who I want to be. You're the guy that like he's got like you know forty plus employees, multiple vans. He's installing HVAC all over Detroit, making tons what? of money. And he goes, it's not worth the headache. Just go get a job. He told me that. I'm like. Okay, because that, that to me means that he started the wrong business. That to me shows me he didn't plan for his own personality. If your personality, Mike, in this case, is that you like working with business to business, super like that type of job, that's for you. My thing, I accidentally took on a clientele that I didn't even mean to grab, but I did it because I needed money. My business plan, I didn't stick to the business plan because my business plan was a little flawed. So I pivoted. Uh, because I was agile and alone and I could do whatever I wanted. Right. And that pivot didn't have a plan. That pivot divvy, uh, deviated from my <laughs> business plan to pay the bills. So now I didn't know what I was doing. I was just floating, drifting, saying yes to everybody. Um, and, and then I found myself being like, no, I got to get back to this. I got to get back to basics. I want to be able to control my shop. I want to be done with my day at 7 p.m. Like I, I've been doing this 12 to 16 hour a day thing for two years now, and I just want to sleep. I just want to go back. <laughs> this is crazy. Why am I still working so hard? And so what I ended up doing was um, I just I thought in my head I'm going to do this. And then I got the, the, the phone call that changed my life. I had a phone call from a guy. His name is Vonamir Morick. He goes by Z Morick. He owns a company called uh, Morick Media. And so what he does is he's a brand builder. He's a brand builder, so let's say you start a good startup, you got a great idea. He'll take an idea on a napkin and turn it into a profitable startup in about two years. I think um, you, you introduced me to that guy. Is that 
That's the one. Yeah, that's the guy I sent you over to. Good guy, good guy, really good guy. And um, and so he he hits me up, and I had an account on a company. Uh, it's a website I don't really want to push, but it's called Thumbtack. Um, and what Thumbtack is is that it's essentially how I got a good chunk of some of my my business that wasn't word of mouth. I got it mostly off of Thumbtack. So what they do is you would go on a Thumbtack. Say you want a bathroom installed, or in my case, say you own a company and you need a conference table, custom made. 22 feet long, six feet wide, plugs in the middle, whatever, the whole, the whole nine yards. <laughs> you would go on to Google, uh, just like everybody does, and you type in custom conference table. Thumbtack is essentially Angie's List or, or a Yelp for small businesses, small craftsmen like me. Yep. And so you would go onto the site, and then they, would, they hit all the top Google, uh, the top Google hits. They pay for those. That's their, that's their brand is they hit those top markets. So you click on this, you fill out a little form, you fill out a little thing that says, yeah, I need a conference table, it's this big. I have photos of what I want. I have the room is this size, whatever. And then they send it out to, uh, well, so you would go on and you would see about 10 or 15 other welders and woodworkers and furniture builders and and they all line up. And then off of our previous reviews and photos and, and our own profile, you could say, okay, send my conference table job. Let me send this bid to Mahar Fabrication Studio, A&W, Woodworking, yada, 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 all these other people. I get an email in the middle of the day that says, hey, Mike wants a conference table. Do you want to email him back? And I immediately am like, yeah, right? And so I start engaging with that customer through their own chat line. And that's how I got a bunch of my random, comp- um, my, a bunch of my random work came from that, which then spiraled into more and more. But so Z happened to go so he had an idea he was working for a nonprofit, doing a bunch of different work building these brands doing all this stuff he he did a huge thing for the city of chicago census he was in the middle of that where like if you were in the city of chicago and you saw a census digital advertisement that was his companies um and then uh, and then he did another one for their coronavirus uh testing facilities and all this other stuff so he's been tied into the city and tied in really big jobs really really cool for him but he had an idea where his uh, his, his father-in-law died and they were in his house cleaning all of his stuff out. And I've never been, uh, as a young kid, my grandparents have passed and I've been slightly part of this process where you start going through their things and you start divvying up who gets to take what and what memories yeah. you want to take. And so he's there and they find like his journal that he kept through the past couple of years where he was like just writing everything he thought of and his old letterman jacket from high school and his old, and his old family photos from his family in, in Eastern Europe and all this other stuff. And, and they're sitting there and he's like, well, what do I put this in? You know, do I put it in a tote, like a plastic Rubbermaid container in my basement? You know, like that sounds, that seems like demeaning to this man's life, you know? So he starts looking up for a fireproof, waterproof keepsake truck, a, a place, a, a stylish, handmade, crafted box that's what he was looking for that he could put in his living room. And in this trunk is his father-in-law's life. You know, it's things that meant the most to him and his family. And so he starts looking around and couldn't find anything. It's all cheap plastic fire resistant boxes and safes, the size of refrigerators and just the, 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 the secured storage world is a, is a mess of people who are storing a bunch of guns and people who are storing a bunch of, papers there's nothing in between so he was like okay and he's an entrepreneur he had his own company he had this drive he goes well i'm gonna make one i'm gonna figure this out 
he starts reaching out to furniture makers around the city and, and he, he called me through Thumbtack and he almost didn't even take the meeting. Apparently he told me the story later on. Um, not because of me, but because he thought he had solved the issue and found someone else. So he hits me up and we go and grab coffee down the street from me and uh, we're talking and we're saying, okay, he's telling me the project. And again, I've never built a safe. I've never built a fireproof box. I've never, hmm. I did some woodworking and I can TIG weld. Right. So I like, I, I know like what he needs done. And so this is like the craziest project and I go, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Right. I'll do your prototype. I'll do the one. And then cool. Right. So we hit it off. This meeting goes from a 20 minute meeting to a three hour meeting. We're there until the coffee shop closes. We are, we just hit it off immediately talking about stand-up comedy, talking about podcasts, talking about the way businesses should be ran, talking about like just how the world works and our families and whatever, and his, his background and he's Croatian. So he's like got a, his family's a little, a little crazy. So he's got some cool stories, whatever. And we're talking and then uh, we leave. And I was like, I'm so excited, so excited to go make this trunk for him. Cause I, I didn't know what to do. And then he called me a few days later and he asked me to partner up with him. He goes, here's the deal. I can build the brand. He goes, I can sell this thing forever. He goes, I, he goes, I, I, I have a wealthy clientele. I know how to directly target specific zip codes and area codes and wealth percentages. And I know how to find people that are audience. That's literally what I do. What I cannot do is build this thing. And so behind my, between me and my shop, working at the sign place and being a supervisor and like, just, just being available uh, to be flexible for him. He asked me to partner up with him and, and, I am afraid of partnerships. Um, my grandfather always said the only person you should ever partner up with is the bank because all they want is their money. Uh, they'll never put their opinion out there. They're just going to say, Hey, give me that hundred grand. Back. You know? And so it also give me 10,000 on top of that. But so, uh, and, and against all odds, I was like, you know what, what I can't, what I struggle with is the social media side of my business. What I struggle with is being able to, because I still want my hands on the product personally. I like the idea of controlling the quality a little bit. Same with you probably where you, you're, you're, you're reviewing things before you send them out to Siemens and Tesla and Porsche, like to make sure they're up to your standards. So I like that idea, but that is only so many hours in the day. So he, did, he was like, well, hey, let me handle the brand, the startup side of this, the tech side, the, the website and the, the, the flow, the customer service. And then you handle the manufacturing. And so it was the best thing that ever happened to me. That was last February. I started working. And when I would say this, I, uh, he started paying me. So the way I did it was because I was like, well, here's the deal. I still have to pay my own bills. Uh, I'm still teaching at the school. I got a lot of things going on. Um, but what I will do for you is if I will sell you prototypes. So we'll do one iteration of it. And then we'll test it. We'll see how it goes. And each time I'll charge you per prototype. So we keep our businesses separate for now until we can figure out how this is going to work. And, and so he did that. So he started a company and this is called Infinity Trunk LLC. And, um, and so I am technically now a co-founder of this company while still running my own. So we're going through this, we're doing all this research, we're talking to material scientists. He is funding this whole thing out of his pocket. He had he had done really well in the tech industry and had some money saved to say, okay, I've got X amount of dollars to spend. Let's call it $30,000. He had talked to his wife. He goes, Hey, it's not going to damage our, our nest egg savings. Uh, we're going to be able to do this. I really think it's going to take off. I met this guy who's going to make this work, whatever. 
his wife believes in him and it worked out. So we divvied up, figured out the money, figured out how we can, how we can invest it correctly, where we spend the money the right way. And we turned, uh, we, we started hiring engineers cause I don't know about fireproofing. I don't know about, uh, how things like that work. So I had to yep. start and I was up until midnight. I mean, nights we're talking 15, 16 hour days on the computer, just researching while building furniture, while teaching. Yeah. Uh, because that's how badly I wanted to stop doing custom work because of how <laughs> exhausting that was. So I go, all right, I'm just going to bust my ass for whatever, for, for whatever it takes to get this done. And we'll see where this goes. And I really believed in Z. I really believed that he could be the partner I was looking for because he kept his hands off of what I knew best. And I keep my hands off of what he does best. There's a okay. level of respect that he and I have where there's no, there's no toe stepping. There's no, we have a, we have an operating agreement that specifically outlines me being in charge of manufacturing and him being in charge of business. So, so there's literally, let me stop you there for a second. And that's just be me being a salesperson here. So if you ever get to a point where you need to automate this, We'll be there. Yeah, well, we're, we're working on it. So the idea now is that this is turning around. This is turning into something crazy. Uh, we started talking around and we started figuring out that this has a lot of worth to it, that a lot of people don't have a place to store their most precious items. You have a son. Your son makes you a drawing when, when he was four that says, I love dad. And this is me and him on a trip in the woods. Yeah. What? That that means something to you, right? Like you you look at that and you're like, man, this kid worked. He worked really hard on this. This is so cool. And what do you do? You put it on the fridge for how long? And then you're gonna put it in the trash? No. No. Let's maybe there's a box. Maybe there's a place in your house. You go and you put this into. And then five years down the road, you can open it up and be like, man, remember when my son was five and he wrote this really like fun poem for me? What like that sense of security is what we wanted to give the world. And, and that's where we're at now. And so we've done these iterations to the point where we had a fireproof. So when I'm talking about like drive and not trying to like toot my own horn, but like drive to finish a product, I went from knowing woodworking, knowing metalworking to now fully understanding how a safe and the fireproofing well, system works. I mean, that's not, that's not doing you. I mean, it is, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, if you want, like if you have a website, I put it right down there. That's not a problem. Well, I'd love people to see it. I'd love, I'd love people to give the, their feedback because our first line is coming out uh, in about three weeks here. We're going to be working on launching it very oh, soon. Great. So, yeah, we're, oh, we're super excited. So we've been, I've made five different trunks. We burned down four of them. I built my own. I had to figure out how to make my own kiln. I had to figure out how to make a five foot by three foot kiln, four feet tall, get up to 1400 degrees for an hour and a half with propane torches and butane like, and, and get this thing into a full blown kiln to burn a trunk down to meet UL certification. Huh. Um, and, and this journey has been incredible for me. And, 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 and Jackie, my, my, my fiance is like, are you done? Like I'm sitting at my computer and like my, I'm in one, my, my room, my house is a storefront. So it's literally one giant room. You can see my bedroom is up behind me. That's where I sleep is up in that little dark that, cavern. You're my right. kitchen, my bathroom, it's all in one spot. So she's sitting so right you, here. You're I, sleeping on your kitchen? On top of my kitchen and my bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and my hallway. <laughs> uh, so I am in a position. I remember when you came to me, it was like, hey, I'm looking for this. Uh... Can you help me? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that place doesn't exist. Like, well, it does. 
It does, there's like one, and that's the thing. Okay, so let's let's back up to that. When I saw this place on Craigslist, I went and I broke my lease in my old apartment. Yeah, I figured out how to sublet my apartment out against my contract and convince the. This is how bad I wanted to quit my job to convince the landlords to let me sublet my old apartment for six months while we up and moved to this apartment just so I could start this company, and. It's stuff like that where I look back and I'm like, man, thank God I had the guts to do it because it, I would have just been the guy who just keeps saying next time, you know, it just didn't work. It just didn't line up, you know, like everything, nothing's ever going to line up perfectly. Nope. Uh, you got to force some stuff together. You know what I mean? Like the circle always, doesn't always fit in the square, but if you got exactly. enough time, you can make it, <laughs> you can make it fit, you know? And so we're, that's where we, we kind of, I found myself in a good situation. So infinity trunk came about because I had flexibility. I had the ability to pivot my company to what this thing is. Now we built a trunk. This thing's 300 pounds. It's steel, our, our proprietary fireproofing material inside of this. The inside is velvet. The outside is solid oak. And the lid is a, is a French tufted top. I've yet and to see one of those things. Handle. What's that? I have yet to see one of those things. What? It's coming. Exactly. Well, that's the thing is that this is, it's supposed to be a statement piece. The idea is like, you know, when uh, when someone comes over and you're like, hey, what have you been up to? And people kind of run out of stuff to talk about pretty quickly. You can go and show them this and then you get to like talk about your grandfather. Like you get to show them like cool stuff. Like for instance, right here on my shelf, I have a pair of binoculars from World War II that are just sitting there. And they were my grandfather's when he was in the military, or my great grandfather's when he was in the military. And I had nowhere to put those. If this house burns down, I lose a piece of my family's history. Right. You know what I mean? And I'd love to put it in a box. I'd love to make sure that's it. So we, we figured out all the rigorous testing and did this. And now, afterwards, now we're reaching out to people for investors. We have uh, Z comes with a huge background um, of, in, in the tech world. So he has people who, uh, who have cash flow, who have the ability to hear a good idea and throw 70 grand at it, whatever. Um, so we're in a position now where we are ready to go. Uh, we're about to do the full photography for it to get the marketing up. We're about to do what we're doing now is because the price point is the issue. Where do we, and, and, and this will probably air before we do it, but I'll, we don't know what the market will pay, right? Okay. How do you know? So you know what your customer will pay because you've got 20 years in the biz. How do I know what family, well, even some people will say no, and I totally get that, but I'm, how do I know what an average family will pay? So what we're doing now is actually kind of interesting. And this was Z's idea, not mine, but he goes and says, well, we'll take a photo. I'll make three different Instagram ads. Each one will be given a hundred dollars. I will do three different zip codes that all make the same amount of money based on his, his algorithm and his yeah, process yeah. he uses. Get it. We're going to do one at $3,000, one at $4,000, one at $5,500. And we're going to do an ad and we're going to run this under a separate company name. That's like a fake company name. It's not even going to be the one that, that infinity trunk. We're going to run this and see how many click throughs we get on each one. Yeah. So if we get enough people to click on the $5,500 one, well, our profit margin just went up a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars from what we were originally going to charge. So let's say that that price point doesn't get everybody. That doesn't matter to me. I need enough people to pay that much money. I don't need everybody to pay that much money. Right. The idea of like lowering the standard, I could sell this thing for, for, for 2,800 bucks. 
but then I'd make a million of them. I, what I'd rather do is control the product, keep it incredibly as high, as, as high quality and as detailed as possible, and make that price point where people are can't help but talk about it. You know what I mean? They can't help but be like, yeah, we're, we bought this thing as an investment in our family's past. Like, this is like what we're going to do. And, um, and so this whole process, watching Z work in a world that I, I just don't have the, the knowledge in has been huge to me. Um, and then when he comes over to my shop, he'll come and work in the shop with me. He's pretty handy. So he'll come down in the shop and he'll do some woodworking with me. He'll, do, he'll drill some holes. He'll help me with the tack welding. He'll help me do some stuff. And, and he's learning from me. And I'll tell you, I would have never partnered up with anybody until I met Z. And that was the, that was the turning point where you sometimes got to admit you need help. You know? And he brought an idea to me that I would have never thought of, that he thought of out of necessity. And then it didn't exist. He was willing to just go online and throw five grand. Buy it, yeah. And then he didn't. He realized it doesn't exist. So I, I'm, in a, I'm in an interesting spot where now, and I say this because... I am now get to do what I, what I'm good at, which is build stuff, manage people, uh, prototype and experiment and, and create a quality product that people like. And I don't have to anymore. I don't know, look up new ways to market myself. You know, like, like I have Z who is working around the clock because he's equally invested in this. Um, to do to do that. So now we're we're fifty fifty in this. This isn't like a hey, I get ten percent share, he gets ninety percent for his idea. Yeah. This is he was generous with it. Like he could have easily been like, no, I, I thought of this. It's my idea. I'm running with it. You're technically my employee. the The respect I get from that relationship uh, made it worth it to me. So that was it's it's an interesting spot. Um, and but when I say this. Uh, this was, and I mentioned February, January, late January, early February, uh, the coronavirus hit late March, early April. They shut the whole world down, April, April 15th. Right. Starting doing that research under the stress of a international pandemic where the news was so sporadic and I got really kind of addicted to the doom and gloom. I was like reading terrible news articles and learning <laughs> about people getting sick in Italy and college kids spreading it everywhere and it's right outside my door and oh i can't go to the grocery store and like and like you're getting like nervous and then it takes a while to, to backpedal i think a lot of people have like although people are getting sick and dying and it's very serious and, and and i hope everyone can can get out of this safely but you start to become so numb to the to the yeah. anxiety that like you get to finally think about what you were doing before this so i went about a month where we were both freaking out People stop calling. You want to talk about suppliers? Suppliers stop picking up the phone because everyone was working from home. I couldn't get an email back from our material scientist. He literally disappeared. Disappeared off the earth. The guy I was working with, once a week I'd have a scheduled phone call with his material scientist to stop answering the phone. No idea why. Uh, COVID hit. He, he might have gotten COVID. He might be sick now. I, I don't know what's going on, but he was, I mean, I was trying to find um, what we call an intumescent seal, which is a seat that is actually a it's on fireproof doors and stuff where once the seal hits 250 degrees the seal expands to seven times its size and then glues its door shut so that's what our that's what our trunk seals shut with in a fire that took me probably about three weeks to find because i couldn't talk to anybody <laughs> the i no one would pick up the phone no one was at work they were all like getting 
things routed to their cell phones at home. People yeah. were just not answering. There was no accountability. It, I could have probably figured out this product in six months. It took me a year to get this thing done because my, the guy who was doing my metal forming and doing my mass production bending for me, his employees just started calling in sick saying they had COVID. Now, possibly, totally. I, I, I can never tell someone that they didn't feel that. But, uh, you know, all of them constantly for six months? That's crazy. <laughs> like, the, there's only five guys in your shop. How is everyone sick? All right the there where everyone so, got paid for staying home, you know? <laughs> exactly. And so, and, and the, the restrictions and the things, and, I, and I'm never going to tell anybody because it's such a new, unprecedented thing that there's no... There's no right, there is an answer and there is a, there's no right answer. There's some, there's your answer and there's their answer. You know, like it's, it's, it's the idea is like, I don't know. So it, it took way longer. I, I was disappointed in myself for how long it took me to create this product. And then for the first time in my life, I got to sort of blame somebody else <laughs> where I was like, no, I was on the phone. I was up at 8 a.m. I was calling people. I was talking to distributors and people overseas and, and manufacturers and prototypers and, and, and UL certification people and do all this stuff. And they weren't calling me back. And, and in the midst of a pandemic, I'll tell you, it really it was hard it was hard and and we're there now and uh we're excited but i wanted to be launched by christmas i thought now i mean this will probably be posted soon but i think i wanted these in people's homes by christmas i wanted this a gift grandmothers could give to their children for by christmas and and we missed that a little bit on me a little bit on me a little bit on z a little bit on both of us running our own companies it's at the only, same time like, he was running have we have it everywhere like everything is delayed don't 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 blame it on yourself or on anyone else it's just the situation is 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 the same for everyone we have multiple projects where we have delays for a month because of the situation with corona so it's not on you you know for you it's a it's the first product launch you know for us it's like i don't know how we built you know, we build. We don't build products. We don't create products. We build factories. You know, yeah. and we have had delays during times where we didn't have Corona, but then now with Corona, horrible. Anything, all projects, all delayed. Suppliers not reachable. Suppliers having problems with Corona cases, um, and, and that way, what do you want to do about it? This is just, right. you know, the reality we live in right now. I don't want to call it the new normal because I don't think this is normal. I think this is still a bad circumstance for everyone. But it is what it is. Yeah. Period. I think a few years down the line, what did, and I think people working from home, people getting this idea that, like, you call the city of Chicago for help with your business license right now. You get sent to a voicemail and then you get called back a week and a half later when the person decides to pick up their and listen to their voicemail at their house. That that type of turnaround time is the most discouraging to me. But in the same the same thing where you gotta like I mean you gotta just think like is this this has gotta be somebody else. Like they're, they're, I'm I feel like I'm doing that. I feel like I'm doing what the book said. I'm doing whatever I'm I'm doing what Bill Gates said to do. I'm waking up, I'm exercising, I'm eating well, I'm doing the stuff, and and I I'm taking care of myself. I'm but on the same side of it, I had to keep a company afloat for myself because Infinity Trunk made, you know, zero minus 
Minus. Yeah, negative. Yeah, we're, <laughs> negative. In, we're, in the, we're in the red right now. Uh, but for, for sure, hopefully for sure, the, 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 the margin on this trunk is at 600%. It's, it's crazy how much it's the, the idea to the, the value that it will bring to people versus the time it takes us to make it. Yeah. Is like it's the it's a godsend. Honestly, Z answering that or, or, or reaching out on on Thumbtack, I I don't know where I'd be. This interview would be a different interview if yep. I didn't have Infinity Trunk the past year. But we're doing it. We're looking at spaces to rent. We're getting out of my shop. We're getting out of these things are three hundred pounds. This is you want to talk about like the entrepreneur spirit here. <laughs> this trunk weighs three hundred pounds. I am in a basement <laughs> with a staircase this steep. <laughs> we have to get a three hundred pound. 48 or 42 inch by 20 inch by 20 inch tall trunk five of them a week out of a out of a 700 square foot shop if that isn't a sign of determination i don't know what to tell you <laughs> we have been I, I don't i don't even know how we're gonna do it we're doing it now one at a time but when it comes time for our distributor and our shipping partner because we're doing white glove delivery service so the idea is that we have a company out in the suburbs who are going to take our trunks out of my little shops that don't have enough space to store them. And he's going to store them for a premium. And uh, they're essentially going to be a fulfillment center like Amazon would for, for us, yeah. where they're going to hang on to five or 10 units and then say, you hit me up online or we do a, you know, whatever you order it. And then they just bring it right to your house. They, we can send anything 75 miles out of any major city in the United States. We can white glove delivery to. Uh, that's two people come out room of choice and they we, we've organized this and finding a distributor we talked to probably we talk about picking up the phone I talked to seven or eight different shipping companies and got to like third or four conversations where we thought we're like this is them this is the company we're going to use and then boom we look on the better business bureau and find out that they have been gotten like the suit like a crazy terrible review and they've been shortchanging people and their quality sucks but on the phone you'll never know no nope. um you'll the, my my thing after learning this and i've been reading a lot and you're in the car industry so you you know about like the toyota production system you know about tps and lean manufacturing and all that stuff yeah sure if you if anyone's watching this, or not if anyone people watching this google the tps system it's it's pretty impressive it's pretty cool um but they they stress this book is about you are only as good as your partners so they have they're my name my shipping partner if you ordered that you don't know that's not us you don't know that i outsourced a shipper because they're going to come in a black t-shirt and a pair of pants that that will not say infinity trunk it won't say you know kls uh shipping it won't say anything you don't know who they are but they represent me um so it's just one of those things where it's like hiring someone you well, especially them. if you market that that way you know so if you say hey we have this like white glove delivery system you know then people will think that's you you know and it's it's like the chain right you're all, like every chain is only as strong as its weakest link yeah yeah exactly exactly and so what we're finding is that there's a lot of weak links out there that have good websites <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, you get on there's a lot of people who talk the talk but when it comes time to say all right we'll be here friday at 9 a.m and we're about to load 2500 pounds worth of trunks into the back of your van 
we'll see who shows up. And I'll tell you, we got one company that actually did it. And and we did a test delivery and it worked out great. And we're like, all right, this is it. So we're launching locally in Chicago. We're gonna do about six months. We're trying to sell two a week. And that's our goal. If two a week gets sold, Z and I can live well. We can have two employees um, and we can, we can both, he has someone to help him run the office and I have an assistant to help me lift a 300 pound trunk around the shop. Um, <laughs> and so we're, we're in the situation where like, if that, if that's our goal for now, and then by the end of 2021, we should be doing five a week. We're, we're at that rate. We could do about five employees in the shop, three employees in the office, plus Z and I making a solid living. That's year one. We're looking to, I mean, turn this into something where we get to negotiate things because we have a little bit of pull, you know, like you get to call a shipper and they're like, oh, it's going to be 400 bucks to ship it. And you're like, no, we're infinity trunk. We're selling 200 of these a year. We're going to pay 300 bucks in shipping. How about that? And sometimes people say, yes, you know, like we're trying to get that, like you talked about leveraging earlier. We're trying to get our popularity to leverage against our, our future partners. And so um, it's been interesting, but this company is on a different level. When I started this, I'm like, I'm going to make furniture in my basement by hand. I'm going to deliver it by hand. And I'm going to shake that person's hand when I install it. Now I'm literally a co-founder of a startup in, in under a year. Like it's a completely different shift, but because I was young, not young, uh, hungry and age doesn't matter. You can do this at 75 years old. You can be, as long as you're hungry and ready to shift, you can do whatever you want. Yep. Uh, in business, you can do whatever you want. In Put business. your mind um, to it and you can pull it off. That's it. That's it. And we haven't pulled it off yet. It's not there. Yet. We haven't, we haven't gotten them in houses yet, but I, I feel so confident about this where I stand that I'm excited for the future. I'm nervous as hell. I'm nervous as hell. Once these go in people's houses, you know, reviews start this. coming in. Let's do this. Let's let's revisit this in, let's say, a year from now. Or maybe six months. I don't know. And we talk about this again and see, okay, so this is what you wanted. Where you are, where are you in like six months from now? In a year I'd from love now. to. Yeah. yeah. So, I'd love to do that because honestly, you, like, it would be that interview is this a is, good this benchmark. Is, this is okay. So this is what I planned. This is what really yep. happened. All right. This is what really happened. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Turn here's the down. thing. Like, so uh, the way you pivoted, you know, with your main business happened to me too. You know, the name of the business, well, I call it Pitco now because it's an acronym, but like, it's really Peter's Industry Training and Consulting LLC, mm. all right? It was planned to be a training center to make uh, automation engineers out of coal miners in Charleston, West Virginia, because... You... Right? I told you that. I remember you telling me about yeah. that. Yeah, we so, went for that drink. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That was, I like that idea. That never happened. <laughs> well, it's... No. Yeah, it's, it's tough you know you know it's okay we tried uh i did a lot of lobbying in the state of west virginia state senate and the house of delegates what well, was a very nice experience to me because i've never been in politics before so now there i was like running around in a suit all day you know like i mean i think we met me wearing a suit the first time i came by you know um anyway so that's it feels natural to me and this whole politics thing feels natural to me too but the thing is that 
you know, I wanted this to be a training center to help people get out of poverty because, you know, during the Obama and Biden era back then, they shut down all the coal mines. And West Virginia was at, at that point, I would say like 65 to 70 percent of their business was coal mining. All right. The rest yeah. was chemicals and the the other 20 percent was doctors and attorneys. All right. So but they shut everything down. So what happened was like. They were all unemployed, so I wanted to help the people. You know, my wife is from there. We moved there to Charleston. I really wanted to change something, and that never happened. So I went back into like system integration. What we're doing right now, you know, we're doing installations, uh, mechanical, electrical installations of capital equipment. We're doing uh, software development and um, commissioning for robot sales, automation uh, systems in general, and, and production lines, you know? So I wanted something else. I wanted to be at home. I wanted to have, my clients were supposed to be students, all right? Yeah. Getting tuition, money up front, easy money. Didn't happen. Let's talk in six months. I wish you all the best for this. I think the product has a lot of potential, but I want to I want to see how that, where that goes in six months from now. I'm not saying Same. it's not happening. Maybe it's like exploding, but I want to. I want to know like what type of company you have planned out. I know that now, and then what kind of company is that really going to be? I'm not saying it's not going to be a company, but I think there's going to be tweaks to it. Oh, and it's going to uh, be. It's going to be probably different yeah. than what you planned out to be. Maybe you're going to be like one of the major suppliers for I don't know like. What's it called? Like recreation hardware or something like that. So, right? Know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, rest. Yeah, restoration hardware. Well, so oh, that, yeah, right. that we're trying to do um, a touch of modern. Modern. We actually have a QVC uh, partner. Not to uh, assume, but there's a chance that we are going to be able to line up with people who are still doing online sales and go business yeah. to business versus retail, which may be easier, but the the margin is less. So it, it just comes down to where we want to be in the world exactly um direct consumer is the future of the internet sale but is it worth the headache you know that customer service level that that you know that touch of modern and 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 restoration hardware already hold maybe just let them do the work you know and that might be a thing where we're like yeah it turns out that we want to do five a week but now we got to make 20 a week but someone else just handles the headache of dealing with people Right. And we're not against it, but exactly what you said, plan A is this, plan B is whatever happens. Right. Uh, and so we're hoping that just works out. We'll see. Well, I was like, I don't know if, if I get this together, but like, so we have an expression in German that uh, I hope that makes sense when I translate that. It's basically like, so life is what's, hap what's happen what, what happens when you sit down and make plans, right? Because it has nothing to do with each other. Oh yeah. One is the theoretical yeah, the, part, uh, and the, the other one is what really happens. Well, and that's the 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 funny thing. That's like old folklore stuff. Here is that the uh, the funniest thing you can do. I'm not a religious guy, but they say the the funniest thing you can do to God is to make a plan. And the <laughs> idea that like <laughs> is that it's just, uh, I, I, I believe in making my own decisions, but it, it, every single time it's like what you think will happen and what does happen. And I think with the right tools and, and for anyone who's gotten all the way into this far into the interview, I think if you just keep searching for the right 
tools and you prepare yourself for what could potentially be a the uh, the toughest time of your life for the first two to three years you'll be fine if you have the tools at hand it's easier if you're fumbling with no business plan and no project plan and no idea and no help and no support and no you don't even need money you just need support you need backbone you need someone to vent to you need someone to talk to get a get a mentor call the small business association talk to someone who Who's been there? Call me. I, I'll put my email. Like, I don't care. Like, I, like, let me know. Like, I would say call me like, too, but I don't have call time. Call you. <laughs> I don't have the no, time for that. You're not busy. Don't worry. You know. You know. It's it's Saturday night. You know. It's uh, what what time is it? Uh, we're at eight o'clock, eight p.m. right now. You know. We're. Uh, I mean, we had our sound issues before, and. Uh, so I'm sitting here since this afternoon trying to figure this out. You know, it's first interview like that. I hope the sound is not too bad. Um, you know, we're one and a half hours into the interview and I think, uh, you know, we should definitely do this again and uh, revisit this in, let's say, six months. Uh, that would yeah. be uh, about this, yeah, September, something like that, you know. Um, that would be perfect. Yeah, because I hopefully, if I can say this on camera, I would like to be in a. I'll be in a new space by then. I'm not going to say how many employees I'll have, but I will absolutely. I'll probably be living here, but I'll be working in a in a actual shop, commercial building by then. And that, if I haven't, yeah. then I'll eat crow right on here. <laughs> then I'll, I'll I'll just. I'll hang my head right on your show. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the goal. I like the accountability aspect. I like the ability to know that in September I have to come to you and say, yeah, yeah. it worked. Or uh, it's well, harder than it looks. It's a learning a curve. Company. You know, like you, that's the first time you do that. So there's going to be mistakes to be made. Absolutely. Yeah. I still make mistakes all, all the time, you know. I'm getting better at stuff where I already made mistakes, you know, so that's not that big of a deal anymore because I know how to navigate situations, but new stuff, you know, we're picking up like bigger and bigger and bigger projects. So, you know, I just, just uh, two days ago, I quoted a $1 million job, just one wow. job. All right. So if I get that one, that's going to be like me being super nervous because you know that the most I ever sold in a year was last year and that was about the same amount that I just quoted. Does that make sense? Right. So now oh, okay, yeah. and it's only it's only February of twenty twenty one. So you know, if I get that one, like who knows, maybe this time I'm I'm gonna go like uh you know, ten X of what I did last year. Right. So let's say for you personally, where do you want to be in September when we revisit this? Um, I want to, and it, the, the weird part, you cannot see that. So behind that curtain is my, me and my wife's vision board. All right. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what it basically says is like, a, it's a big sign that says um, we're hiring. All right. So I want to hire more people. And there's a big sign that says it's the logo of Tesla. And then the other one is the logo of Volkswagen because we want to, you know, bank on our main, I always call this the, the core of success. You know, the, the, the 80% of the people that make you, that make you 20% of your money, they're like prospects and like people you don't know. But the 20% of the people that make you 80% of the money plus your team, that's your core of success. All right. I 
the 80-20 rule. If you're watching this as a, as a follower of Mike, go Google the 80-20 rule. I know Google that. I know the 80-20 yeah. rule, but I, I took it a step further, and I came up with this principle of the core of success. And I put a video up here somewhere. It's like where I actually explained that out um, on a whiteboard like years ago already. All right. So it, it is real. And that's, you know, you have to basically like pound your core of success all the time, you know, so yeah. to like stay in business. And then like on the on the lower side of your attention is the 80 percent, uh, like the 20 percent of the people that uh, the 80 percent of the people that make you 20 percent of the money. Meaning people you don't know or prospects, you know, future customers. Concentrate on the ones that you already have. Second sale is way easier than, you know, prospecting and, you know, going out of there. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, that it's just like, keep at it. You know, that's that's the whole thing. Like I said, I, I cannot I cannot say that enough. It's so important, you know, core success. That's it. Well, that's the, the idea is that you don't know who your 20% is that's going to make your 80% of your money. So you got to come at every customer. Well, like you they, do. You, well, 20%. okay. That's, there's one major difference. All right. So one thing is like you start out like you do with your second business right now. Yeah. Right. You don't know who's the 20% of the people that make you 80% no. of the money. The core of success is for people like me and for you in your main business. Yeah. You already know that 20% of the people that make you 80% of the money. Right. Do so you have that number? You know, you pick this up. It's awesome. Best tool ever. <laughs> Just call. Call them. It's like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> call that 20%. Yeah. Call the 20%. My signature move was always to just show up at their facilities. Mm. That's kind of weird now. <laughs> you don't yeah, want yeah, yeah, They yeah. were like, oh, did you fill out the COVID questionnaire? Do you have an appointment? Uh, have you been in like blah, 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 blah. Difficult, yeah. right? But this year, this year, right? Like this and this, oh, this year, you know, where you are right now is the new, uh, I almost said it, the new normal. You know, everything is online. Yeah. Even school is online now. You know, where, yeah. well, you know what? Everyone is like, oh, yeah, I haven't talked to people in a, in a long while. You know, there's a Teams meeting. There's a Zoom meeting. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm, I'm going to turn the camera on because I want to see people. You yeah. know, like, a lot of meetings I have in my main business, we don't, we don't turn the camera on. We just want to talk in a in a chat room with other people, but we don't have the camera on. Normally, since Corona, everyone has the camera on because you want to see people. Right. You need that. You need that human interaction a little bit. Right. A little bit. So you that, need that. You need to feel like you're not alone. That's it. Yeah. All right. It's hard, man. And, it is. and I've been lucky enough that my my fiance and I are good friends. I like hanging out with her. But these people who've been trapped in their house alone. Single solo studio apartments. Oh God, I, I, I hope the best for him, you know, cause it's, it's yeah. the idea of being alone that makes, that's what makes the business in my end so hard. When I'm downstairs alone, self propelling myself, it's, it's tough. If you don't have someone to, to like kind of keep you in check or to even ask how you're doing, it's tough out there. I, and, and, you know, telehealth therapy is free right now if you have insurance. So, Find a therapist, tell them all your problems, and go start a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Well, that being said, Andrew, you know, like, thank you so much for joining us here on the Empire Builders. And uh, I'll take you up on that promise uh, that we're going to have an interview about that uh, Infinity Trunk Company uh, in six months from now. Deal. I'll be here. All right. Perfect. All right. You have a good one. Thank you for having you me too. on. I really had a great thank time. Thank you.